What should you be getting in return for Ezekiel Elliott in dynasty trades right now? How is the GOAT affecting fantasy value in Tampa? And what is going on with that Carolina passing game? Plus the 2019 FFPC 750 number 26 dynasty champ Mike Eisenberg joins the show tonight to talk about the backfield split in Houston, how Phillip Rivers is changing fantasy fortunes in Indy, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Mike Eisenberg is here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Hands, everybody. If you got what it takes, because I'm and I'm on the mic and premieres on the break. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you bulkaholics, anger, Zach, and addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Dave, a, a, a week off, a respite for you. You are back and, and rearing to go, and I will tell you this. Scott Pollock did a great job co-hosting with me last week. We got into a lot, but so much happened in free agency. We didn't even get a chance to cover all of it. So we're going to be dipping into not only my opinions on some stuff, but yours as well, because uh, quite frankly, a lot's happened in the NFL over the last two weeks. Yeah, that's great. I'm excited to be back. Uh, lots been going on in the world, obviously, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh... Just going over the free agents and, and what you think, and maybe I can throw some opinions in there as well. Yeah, the NFL really hasn't stopped at all. <laughs> I mean, it's just despite – and even, like, we, we saw some news earlier this week that Roger Goodell says, you know, uh, come hell or high water, we are having this draft at the end of April, and I don't care what anybody says. Uh, despite GM's please, it's going to go off, and, and now we're less than a month away from the NFL draft and putting some of these rookies on real-life teams. No, I, I like the move, actually. It's like you can control what you can control. They can control the draft. You, they, they really don't need to be near each other to, to call names out, for God's sake. It's not that hard. Right. So just go back to the old school. Maybe you don't have all the pomp and circumstance. I was actually going to go out to Vegas uh, because of our relationship with Caesars, with Planet Hollywood. Sure, yeah. They, were, you know, they sent me this invitation. It was an email, and it said the word VIP in this email was mentioned like 30 times. It was so great. It's so like, are you a VIP? No, I'm not. But they, <laughs> but they were giving, that's, the, that's why I was so excited. They're like, oh, VIP experience, VIP party, VIP club, this and that. I'm right. Like, yes, 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 yes. I'm all in. And, uh, and then this, you know, the COVID-19 stuff was happening. And I never even booked the flight because I'm like, well, this, this, this draft is not going to happen. But, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that the draft itself is going off. Uh, getting as much, keeping the league schedule on, on point as much as possible, I think, is a good thing. I, you know, and 
I don't want to, this won't be the COVID-19 show, but I will say this. I think MLB and NBA are, are there in a separate situation, but with the NFL, we're several months away. Uh, I think to prolong the league calendar at this point in, you know, with so many unknowns is, is probably not the greatest thing in the world to do. And I think I brought this up with you actually earlier this week, you know, we had the potential lockout with, uh, with no CBA agreement seven, uh, nine years ago, I think it was now. And the official start of the league didn't happen until August 4th. Well, what happened that year? We lost one preseason game, and that was it. Uh, everything else – sorry. Everything else – well, We also now. lost WCOF. No, we're good. We're we good. also we're good. lost WCOF. Uh, that is true. We, that, well, you know, it's good with the bad. Right. But my point is, as far as the NFL was concerned, the, the league basically started, um, you know, four months late that year. And we don't even remember that at all uh, because everything else played out. Everything worked out just fine. You don't want to delay stuff unless you absolutely have to. And as far as the FFPC is concerned, and I'll start it off with the rookie dynasty drafts, Dave, those are on schedule as well. Those have not been moved. They're, they're, uh, they're staying stationary. Yeah. It's been, uh, Dynasty's been really popular. Uh, the only thing that's really, you know, a little bit slow for us this year when normally it's not is the main event. And that's kind of to be expected because if you don't really know, you know, what travel is going to look like, you know, fl- you know, flights are going, and people are just worried about their, you know, their jobs, their own lives at this point in time. And they're not really too concerned about five, six months down right. the road. And that makes a whole lot of sense. And uh, if, you know, again, we don't, we're not here to, I, I don't want this to appear that we are capitalizing on this. We're not, we're not trying to uh, with the HSFFO or the FFPC. However, I will say this. How, how can we capitalize on anything? Well, this, you know, you, you podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like with the FFPC, but um, Oh, you, Hey, you're, you're, you're just hanging out at home, Dave. Why don't you listen to the HSFF? Oh, which, by the way, you know what? I take it back. We are capitalizing on oh, this. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to tell you this right now. Not only are we on Anchor Podcast now, we are on Amazon Alexa. In other words, uh, if you say to Alexa, hey, Alexa, play the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, it will start playing. Uh, that is something that uh, I worked on this week. Got that going. Very exciting. So we are on Amazon Alexa. So we are taking advantage of COVID-19 because if you're at home, you've listened to every podcast imaginable on your Amazon Alexa. Mm, wait, there's one more, the HSFF Hour. Uh, so check that out there. It is very fun. Uh, it's a good app, and uh, it's intuitive. Also, if you are staying at home this weekend, which you hope, we hope you are, there are Dynasty startups going off, Dave, on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, yeah, but they're all full, so too bad. Oh, okay. So you, you missed out on that. Next weekend, there will be Dynasty stuff. Yeah, there's right? some Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I think we have like a 77 and a 250 or whatever. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you want to play, cool. It's not, you know. Right. It's, it's out there. Yeah. Uh, best balls are out there if you want. Slims, if you're looking for a diversion, they're out there as well. Uh, so there's plenty of options if you're looking for a distraction, if you're looking to, to bide your time. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm finding out that uh, I actually really like my kids. Uh, I'm a fan of my wife, which is great. I happen to, to marry the right woman. I happen to be rearing some pretty good kids right now. It's good to catch up with them and hang out with them. I've also been playing, Dave, Tag with Ryan. It is an app, uh, a kid's game, and I am addicted to it. Tag with Ryan? Tag with Ryan. You know who Ryan is Ryan from Ryan's like, World? Sounds like a pervy game. Hold on, like hold on. Old men do with do you, kids. Do you know what Ryan's World is? It's this kid, no. this eight-year-old kid that no. he... Okay, so it's this eight-year-old kid, and yeah. he um, tests all these toys, and the, the, the toy people pay him to test them, and he puts them on his YouTube channel, right. and, and he's extrapolated this into toys of his own, this game that I play. He, he grosses basically 8 to $10 million a year. He's like eight or nine years old. It's smart. insane. What a, what a bright young man. And uh, his kids, or his parents, I should say, uh, very, very smart as well. But I'm addicted to that game, so I've been playing that a lot lately. I've had a blast. 
And then I've sort of slowed down because the NFL news has been, it's been a flurry of stuff going on. And I want to thank football guys, Riddle World, and Rob for tonight's rundown. And the first thing we're going to tackle tonight is something we didn't get a chance to uh, talk about last week, and that's Eric Ebron signing a two-year, $12 million deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, according to Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network. Now, bear in mind, Ebron is 26 years old. In 2018, he scored 13 touchdowns. Granted, that was with uh, Andrew Luck uh, throwing to him and, and not Jacoby Brissett. Uh, and, and with Brissett throwing to him and a healthy Jack Doyle, Ebron really did not put together a good campaign. Um, you look at I, I, the drops that he's had, and, and certainly he's had a lot. We always do, joked on this show, Dave, about all the, uh, the stone hands that Eric Ebron has demonstrated over the course of his career. He seemed to turn around in, in 2018. 2019, not so much. Now he's competing with Vance McDonald. Where does he fall in for you? I mean, is he even a backup tight end for you in the FFPC, or would you be looking elsewhere? Um, I mean, I think he beats out Vance McDonald, who's, in my opinion, just a guy. I mean, he's getting paid two years, $12 million. I'm assuming that's more than McDonald's making. Um, McDonald seems like he always has problems. I, you know, I would consider Ebron as one of my, you know, if I'm going with three kind of garbagey tight ends, that I would consider him as one of them. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Gerzak, the Gerzak uh, analysis, right? Yeah, the, the trash heap. Yeah. The, tra- the three trash heap tight end strategy. Um, I'm just looking up Vance McDonald's contract right now because I hadn't considered this before. But you're saying you think Ebron beats him out from a, from a talent standpoint, right? Yeah, I mean, I know he, I know he's had the drops, but he's had some good seasons. I, you know, I, I think Ebron's actually a pretty solid player. And uh, the Steelers, they got Big Ben. They have unproven people behind Juju. I know everyone thinks, you know, all those other receivers are going to break out, but they haven't. So. Right. Um, Van, Vance McDonald, by the way, Dave, he turns 30 this year. Not a young man. Yeah, so the thing is, Vance McDonald, I mean, he, everyone's been waiting for his breakout since forever. Ebron's actually broken out, and he's in his prime of his career, only 26. He's still kind of he has a chance to have actually a really big year. I mean, it's, it's possible, right? It's not out of the realm of possibility. He has a top – he could have a top six year, don't you think? I mean, I'm, I'm not – Boy, saying, yeah, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I said it's No, I mean, possible. I don't even think it's possible. All right, well, give me 10 to 1 then that he has yeah, a top six that's, year. That's fine. I'll, I'll do that. So, right, so five bucks. So five bucks, and I give you 10 to 1 that hey, – Eric... How about six to 1? 10 to 1 is a lot. So I, I feel like I'm screwing you. Okay, Fine. All right, I'm negotiating so, myself down. I noticed that. I'm being, well. I'm being kind. This is a Midwestern all right. thing to do. Uh, all right. So, Eric Ebron. I'm saying top six, but I'm getting six to one. And I am uh, I giving you six it. to one. I got five on it. I got five on it. All right. Oops, no, this is cut off Lunas. That's free no rolling good. a little bit. A uh, little bit. All right. So, uh, just to, to give you um, uh, some background here on Vance McDonald's contract, Dave, he restructured it after last season. He is scheduled to make $2.7 million this year and $2.7 million next year. He is an unrestricted free agent after next season, uh, and he'll be 32 years old then. Ebron, obviously, under contract for the next two years, gives Pittsburgh some options. Maybe they want to get their tight end of the future in this draft. I wouldn't advise it, um, but that's a possibility out there. I think I'm kind of with you. I think Ebron will outpace Vance McDonald for fantasy stats this year. I just... I don't think it's fantasy worthy at this point. Yeah, no, maybe not. Yeah. All right, moving on. Let's talk about uh, what are we talking about here? Ooh, let's go to Tampa. Nothing happened there last week. Uh, Bruce Arians has said that the team will not be signing Antonio Brown. Apparently, Tom Brady has been uh, preaching to uh, Arians and Jason Lick down there. Oh, and I got to share this story. I didn't even tell you this in real life. I got to tell you this um, that he he has wanted. Um, Antonio Brown to be for the Buccaneers. Aaron says he's not a fit there. 
and uh, it certainly doesn't seem like he will be back in the NFL at all. But let's talk about now that we know that Antonio Brown won't be signing in Tampa. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, your thoughts on their numbers this year, how they relate to numbers last year. Up, down, about the same with Tom Brady versus Jameis Winston. I mean, it's almost impossible for them to go up. For Godwin especially, he was a top, what, four receiver, top five receiver, wherever he was. I think he was number two, actually. Yeah, there you go. So he's top, top, top. He's already way up there. Um, although Brady does, you know, Godwin is the more logical target because he runs more underneath routes than Evans does. Uh, but I, I think Brady still throws a good deep ball. I think they'll both do fine. I think you would expect a little bit worse from Godwin and, you know, in the same kind of range, maybe down a little bit for Evans. But I, I think that they're both draftable. Okay. That's my next point. I want I, Tell me if these guys are going too high right now. Mike Evans is going at the 303 as the wide receiver seven. Is that too high? That's within the last seven days of FFPC best ball. Um, maybe, wide receiver maybe, seven. Maybe a tiny bit. I think so too. But not, but not a lot. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, I think it's too high. And I'll tell you why. Chris Godwin is wide receiver six. His real life teammate is one spot ahead of him at the 208. I think that might be too high as well. Uh, I think in that range, I, I think you're okay, but that, you know. Okay, that's I think, fine. I think Godwin has a higher floor because he's going to get more, seemingly more targets if everything goes according to plan. Now, given where you have to pick these guys, would you be taking? And these guys are, I mean, it's it's tough to get both of them. Would you take Godwin over Evans if you had the if you're? I'm taking a Tampa receiver here. Yeah, Godwin over Evans. Yeah, I would. okay. Would you take? I'm going to do a quick. Would you rather? Would you take any of these three guys over the Tampa guys because they are the number one receiver for their team? Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, DJ Moore. Would you take any of those guys ahead of either Tampa guy? Cooper, who just signed the deal with Dallas, Kenny Galladay, who's locked up with Detroit, and DJ Moore, who's catching passes from Teddy Bridgewater now. Um, over Mike Evans. Uh, I don't know, maybe DJ Moore. Do you still like DJ Moore? I like DJ Moore quite a bit, yeah. I think he, and he's still on the, on the rise. Cooper, I like. But he's, a, he's pretty inconsistent, so I, I might take Evans over him. Galladay, I'm not sure. I don't know. According Maybe to the get, mascot of the show, he's not a wide receiver one, Dave. He said that before. He actually did this past year. He was a wide receiver zero. one. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and he was actually saying he was. So. All right, so, so just a real quick uh, selfish story. I was reading the great article, I think it was on SportsIllustrated.com, about the, the lead-up of the Buccaneers signing Tom Brady behind the scenes. And I'm reading about Jason Licht and Bruce Arians. And then they mentioned the director of player personnel, uh, John Spytek. And I'm like, boy, that name sounds so familiar. John Spytek. How do I know this guy? And I was thinking like, wait a minute. And I went back and checked. Yes, my final high school football game was on the other side of the field versus John Spytek, who's now the director of player personnel for the Buccaneers. He played for Milwaukee Marquette. They eliminated, us, they eliminated us in the state semifinals. He was a two-sport player, football and basketball. He played at Michigan, was a real-life teammate of Tom Brady there in college, and then has bounced around the NFL in different front office positions and now instrumental in signing Tom Brady to Tampa. And I played against that's him really, in high school. That's funny. How weird is that? That is weird. Very bizarre. By the way, I, I'm just going to, you know, I've, I've mentioned this before in the show, but maybe like five years ago. Ron Wolf in his book, The Ron Wolf Way or whatever it was. Sure. He said one of the big things that GMs do when they become GMs is they make, especially coaches that become GMs, is they make the mistake of getting players that were with the old organization. Oh, yeah. And thinking they're going to do just as well. Well, it kind of it seems like your story, like 
hey, I know Tom Brady. He's a really cool guy. <laughs> right. I mean, he's 42 years old, but, I mean, I played with him way back when. We should get him on our team and, and build their team around him. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make any sense. The whole okay. signing, that's a part of the philosophical reason why they signed him. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't really get that whole to- signing. Totally with you, okay, on that. But I, and I think there's a better example that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, to, to, to butt that a little bit, rebut that a little bit, Tampa Bay hasn't really made any personnel changes since they've signed Brady. Uh, I think largely they've kept the team that they had last year intact. Uh, now, whether that remains, I don't know. But do you know what team has really been doing what you just said? Ron Rivera moved from Carolina to Washington. They are signing every former Panther player and coach imaginable. Well, he's right one of the biggest idiots in the NFL. Oh, you don't like Ron Rivera? No. Okay. I mean, he's, he's the one who he insulted analytics and said how stupid it is. And, uh, and all he's done is not done well. I mean, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Well, I mean, he let him do a Super Bowl. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I mean, it's a good point. But he, ha- he just has – I'm not a big believer in uh, Riverboat Ron as, in, right. as far as that goes. I get it. Okay. Well, he's in Washington with not a lot to work with. So he's, well, he's got gonna, a great owner at least. He's, he's got a good front be, office behind hey, him. Hey, I'll say this about Dan Snyder. He was the first guy to really take COVID-19 head on. Now, as far as running a football team, nah, that's yeah, a little bit – into that field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, one other thing before we get to Mike Eisenberg here, Dave. Uh, Melvin Gordon – apparently is going to be Denver's bell cow running back if James Palmer's report from the NFL Network has anything to, uh, if you're willing to buy into that. He is getting $16 million over uh, two years. He joins a backfield with both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. So you, you look at this, and I, I was actually listening, and by the way, if you haven't listened to the Chasing the Helmet podcast with Scott Connor and Jay Reed, check that out. I think they're recording a new episode tonight. Uh, really great stuff, really great analysis from two great, successful FFPC players, and the whole podcast is much like this one is all about the FFPC. So check that out. But Scott was saying that last year – the Broncos utilized a third running back 25% of the time. So I'm kind of curious how you're handicapping the fantasy values of Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, and Royce Freeman this year. And before you answer that, I'll tell you right now, as far as where they're going in FFPC best balls, Melvin Gordon going at the uh, 307 currently, Philip Lindsay falling now all the way to the 806. And I don't know if we need to really assess Royce Freeman too much, but he's going at the 1512 in best balls. Do you see any values there, Gordon in the third, Lindsay in the eighth, Royce Freeman in the fifteenth. Uh, you know, I think I think Gordon at three hundred seven is not bad, uh, and Lin- Lindsay at the eight hundred six also isn't terrible. I think he's going to have a role. If you were building a best ball team, would you advise the strategy of if you do get Gordon in the third, make sure you get Lindsay in the seventh or the eighth to stack the Broncos running backs, or no? I don't think you have to do that necessarily, but okay. you can if you want to. By the way, uh, to see Royce Freeman's current dynasty value, he went for a uh, 2026 most recent uh, with roster cuts coming up. I also saw him go for a 2027. So what would you give up for him right now? Yeah, about that. Nothing. I, if I if I had a space, I maybe I don't know. He's he's borderline not keepable in a, in a dynasty. He's borderline not keepable with the Broncos right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't have I, you know, I, I don't have any dynasty leagues fortunately, but yeah, I don't think I do either. Down to like 18 or 20, you got to think about it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on board with that. We're going to talk uh, dynasty values, especially what players are going for in trades right now with tonight's guest, who's been a wheelin and a dealin. I want to bring him in right now, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, uh, tonight's guest has been playing fantasy football for over two decades. He began his work in the FFPC six years ago with uh, teams in the Dynasty, Football Guys, and uh, FFPC Playoff Challenge. He has roughly winnings of more than $15,000, including Dynasty titles, uh, top regular season seeds, and uh, finished in the top 20 overall in the Playoff Challenge. He has made the playoffs in all of his FFPC leagues, six of six uh, this past year, and he says he represents the everyman of the FFPC. He says he's not really great at anything, but likes to dabble in just about everything whether it be analytics, roster construction theory, film watching, NFL history. He says he's a dolphin among the sharks, and he's a recovering zero RV aficionado. <laughs> I love it. Please welcome in tonight to the show the, 750 20, uh, excuse me, the 2019 750 number 26 dynasty champion, Mr. Mike Eisenberg. Mike, welcome into the show, man. Hey, Eric. How are you today? Doing good. Dave and I are very excited. Yes, yeah, you're coming through good. Uh, Dave and I are very excited to, uh, to have you on tonight. So, okay, we're, I, I want to talk about the, the questions we have prepared for you. But when you talk about recovering zero RB aficionado, take, take <laughs> us through the evolution of how you got white, you know, totally wound up on it and then sort of fizzled out uh, on that strategy. The way that the game has evolved where, you know, you, I, I was actually probably more of a modified zero RB person. You know, I try and pick one decent RB somewhere that I thought was at value in the first three rounds. And then mostly just go wide receivers and tight ends after that. And then what I found is you have no, consi- if you don't have studs, you have, and they are the ones that seem to be scoring uh, the differentiation between the, t- the studs and the running back and the, every player is so big now you got the Christian McCaffrey's and folks like if you don't at least have a, a running back strategy to some degree, I just don't think you can compete consistently. I don't know that that's for sure analytically, but that's what it seems like to me. So I've had to start evolving and getting more, holding on to my draft picks a little bit more so I can uh, invest in running backs, making bigger trades for running backs at the expense of wide receivers, et cetera. Well, we are going to get into uh, big trades involving running backs for sure. Uh, before we get into that, uh, Mike, can you tell the listeners what you do for a living when you are not playing FFPC? Sure. I'm a sales executive for a large video game company. Also a husband, father, and grandfather. So a lot uh, between fantasy football and games and entertainment, a lot of fun in life between the kids and everything like that. So That's awesome. So the kids are like, Hey, Dad, can you give me all the new prototypes? <laughs> Actually, I guess pretty much. Bad news. Yeah, I'm pretty popular. Yeah, I'm like a minor celebrity in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> all the prototype games. Oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's talk about that 750-26 league um, that you're the defending champion. So you, uh, you know, kind of like we were talking about a little bit earlier, we were talking about DJ Moore, Amari Cooper. They're kind of being drafted in redraft around the same spot. But they're kind of similar – you know, in dynasty values as well. You just show, you sent off Amari Cooper in exchange for DJ Moore. Uh, do you want to just kind of walk us through the logic of that a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, first, I'll start with, with DJ Moore, who I absolutely love. Um, he's got a super athletic profile, great college and early pro production. Uh, I was at a startup last year, and I uh, actually traded, I think, I can't remember exactly, like a seventh or eighth round pick and a draft pick for him, a rookie draft pick. So I, I just see a lot of upside in him. I like the way he looks on tape. Um, then this year I read, I think it was Rotoviz's article on the three ten twenty one grouping. I, I don't know if you guys caught that. And it was three receptions per game, 10 
games at their 21 age and the group of people that were in that, including DJ Moore, were just unbelievable. So I'm like, I got to get more of this guy. And I love to watch him play. I just think the way he plays the game, he's like a dog, he's tenacious, you know, so I love the way he plays. Yeah. And then there's the opposite of that, which is Amari Cooper, who is just <laughs> one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, but he's just so inconsistent and uninspiring. And he just, you know, when you watch him on TV, just lacks the alpha dog quality that's so entertaining to watch with the best receivers. You know, a day with Amari Cooper is 10 receptions, 150 yards, two TDs one week, one reception, 13 yards the following week. It's just really frustrating. And then you're watching him, and he's just so quiet and passive. Seems so defeated on the sideline sometimes. Um, makes it even worse. So I, I really like to watch my players play on, on Sunday. I'm actually – I probably get too loyal to the folks I recruit and pick, you know, not that they're my players or anything, but they're the ones that I generally like. So when they don't look good on Sunday, I don't really want them on my team. So I decided to get a go. From a more strategic uh, point, I also, you know, because I am that zero RB guy, I, I generally start four wide receivers – so I really like him to have some type of floor that kind of kind of parallels a, a running back, and he doesn't really provide that, you know. But he is a great talent, though, and he's probably going to produce several winning weeks for his new team. But I'm just really happy to have DJ Moore. And and I'm gonna let I'm gonna give Dave the floor here in a second, but just so the listeners know, in FFPC startups this month, Amari Cooper is going on average at the 303 as the wide receiver 10. Dave DJ Moore is actually going at the wide receiver six. Uh, on average at the 210. So he's going a half round ahead of Cooper right now. So you can get more straight up for Cooper. That was, according to FFPC Groupthink, that is a smart decision right now. And he's younger, and he's younger as well. The, the thing, like, yeah. I, I've said this before, for some reason, Dallas, they used to do this with Des Bryant, and I swear they do this with Amari Cooper too. And I, it's, maybe they have to, like, they're using a fisheye camera or their stadium, but it just seems like their field is wider. And then they always just trot Des Bryant, and now it's Amari Cooper, like, you know, it's a 50-yard wide field or whatever it is, but they tried him 70 yards wide, like way out there, and then they shoot him downfield all the damn time, and then they throw him the ball like four or five times. Every once in a while, they'll throw it to him eight times, and that's when he has those huge games for two touchdowns. But I swear to God, it's like he's running like nine routes all the time. They, they, don't, know, they don't know how to use these guys. They don't put him in the slot. They don't throw him over the middle. Don't you think they did that to Owens to a certain regard, too, when Terrell Owens was I there in Dallas? Yeah, Teole, they, maybe, maybe it was Teal's fault because they sent Teal over the middle, and then he would always drop it. I'm not sending him down the over the middle anymore. Right, he can't yeah. catch the pass. Yeah, that's good stuff. And, right. and that could be right. But yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I mean, if I had the opportunity to trade Cooper for more, I definitely would do that uh, as well. I want to keep it on this, this Cowboys tip that we've been talking, Mike, here. And, and you just uh, completed a different trade with another team. You get Michael Gallup and uh, the 2020 101, and you give up Ezekiel Elliott. So tell us a little bit about what went into trading one of the, the top fantasy running backs in the league and getting Gallup in the 101 in return? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a tough one. It was. I, I decided I was going to harness my inner Belichick and uh, trade someone away a year too early rather than be too late. That's the, in a nutshell. But let me kind of break down my thought process and see what you think. Um, just Elliot himself, there's really a couple of things that worry me about him right now. The first is his age. He's coming on his fifth year. He's been averaging about 350 touches per year. And that's going to take a toll over time as it does on every running back. Um, and I watched the Cowboys quite a bit because I had, as we just talked, I had Cooper, I have Elliott, I have Dak Prescott in one of my main leagues. So I watched a lot of games. He didn't, he just looked a step slower to me. Again, completely, uh, uh, as I was watching him, I've been watching him for a couple of years. And he just looked like he lost a step. So I was concerned. 
Pollard often looked more, more explosive, and certainly he's not going to take his spot. But if he cuts into his touches 10 or 20%, he definitely seems like he's a better receiver. I just can't see how a, a smart coach is not going to use him as a receiver. And then there's the overall team situation. We have, you know, we have uncertainty with McCarthy coming in, who's a good offensive coordinator, but we don't know how he's going to use all these folks. Um, Pollard lurking for more touches, and then the offensive line just lost Frederick, and it's aging overall. It's just too much uncertainty for me for, for top five assets. So I decided to shop him around. And as I was doing that, I found a lot more trepidation for people buying him than I was expecting, which actually emboldened me to get rid of him even more. It actually made me feel more uh, like my plan was the right one. Um, so that's in terms of Elliot. In terms of what I received, I'm really intrigued by Jonathan Taylor. You know, all the metric heads in the fantasy community say he's a can't-miss prospect, and he looks good on tape to me. Um, my thought process with that is, like, what if I could get a 21-year-old Ezekiel Elliott, which would be worth more than the aging Elliott himself, and I'll get something else on top of that. And then if uh, Taylor, for some reason, doesn't get the draft capital that we're hoping and expecting, you know, I'll rethink the plan. But I think Swift and Dobbins are great potential backups in case uh, Taylor doesn't get drafted like everyone's expecting. So I feel like it's a pretty good situation. You know, there's some risk there. And then there's the icing on the cake, which is Gallup, who's uh, I really just, I watch him and I just really like him. He just reminds me kind of like a Robert Woods. You don't know why he's that good, but he's just good for some reason. You know, it's funny because it's like, I felt like with Cooper, I went there, I was dating a woman, was dating her and decided I wanted to go out with her sister instead. That's kind of what happened with uh, Gallup. I just think he's uh I think he just – he took the game – I guess they said Cooper was injured, but he just takes the games over from Cooper. And I'm just like, I think he's their wide receiver one. I mean, they may not admit it, and he might not get more targets, but I think he is. And uh, I think he's undervalued in the market, so we'll see. Uh, overall, it was an aggressive play, and for sure, and it definitely has risk. But I'm really excited about the upside. I think it can really pay out big for my team. And I think I have enough roster depth to uh, take on the risk. So we we. And, Mike, we've talked about this before on the show. When you consider, like, it's a little bit different when you frame the trade, oh, I gave up Ezekiel Elliott for Michael Gallup and the 101. Or you could say, well, I gave up Ezekiel Elliott for Michael Gallup and Jonathan Taylor on the Falcons or, you know, DeAndre Swift on the Rams or something like that. You know, when it's tangible, it's a little bit different. And the fact that you can get that much younger uh, and get, and by the way, we've had several guests on this show this past season saying, and this is like more than two or three people saying that they can already see that the, the, the wheels might be starting to come off for Ezekiel Elliott as far as, um, you know, uh, achieving uh, upper echelon fantasy value uh, for where he's going. He's the RB3 in FFPC drafts right now, and I don't know if he returns on that. And, and you always want to sell yeah. high as best as you can, and if you're getting a guy who has two or three great years in front of him, plus Michael Gallup for a guy whose value is only going to go down, Dave, and you can chime in on this and on how you'd, you'd handle this if, if somebody offered you Michael Gallup in the 101 for Ezekiel Elliott. But I think I would do that trade like Mike did. Uh, it depends on my team, but I would I would consider it for sure. It's uh, definitely the one, fair. The one, yeah, the one one's a, a monster pick, and Gallup is a, is a great young talent. So I think that that I think that's pretty decent, actually. No complaints about that one, Bulky. No, no, I, I have none uh, at all. Uh, we're talking about running backs. Let's talk receivers here. All right, back to Chris Godwin. Apparently, we haven't talked about him enough. So uh, he was. <laughs> sorry, Bulky. No, it's not that's, your fault. That's, that we're, that's good. That's good. Yeah. The Chris Godwin show. Hey, man. He had top. At least we're not talking about you know. 
people on the Bengals that suck like we usually do. And we skipped the Tyler Eifert news, so this is a great show already. <laughs> um, this so, is an award winner tonight. So now we got Tom Brady tossing passes to Godwin. Uh, we talked about uh, him a little bit earlier. What do you expect? What do you expect out of Chris Godwin in 2020? Yeah, who? I I think he'll be the same, but you know who knows? You hear all the experts talk about what's going to happen. I mean, I think the logic goes something like this. I, I feel like he's going to lose his over some overall opportunity because I don't see them trailing. I don't see Tom Brady throwing three picks at the beginning of the game. And then they're playing 20 point catch up like they did last year. But, uh, you know, I think Brady can still play as long as they can uh, control the pass rush a little bit, which has been his issue, not because he's old. It's been his issue his whole career pretty much. Well, we also know he's going to be super dialed in and motivated. I was thinking like that Brett Favre Minnesota year where he had a great year. So I think there's going to be a lot of pass yards to go around. Maybe not as much opportunity, but a lot more efficiency. Um, I think he sees the field better. Uh, Godwin played, I think, 50% of his snaps in the slot last year, which we know that Brady loves his slot receiver, at least in the past, with between uh, Edelman and, and uh, Welker. So I'm bullish on maintaining the high production. I, you know, just being honest, I can't see it going up. It's possible, I suppose. But you know, I'm hoping he's going to hit within five, you know, zero to 5% of his last year's uh, performance. That's kind of how I'm thinking about it. What do you guys think? Yeah, and the great and the great well, Mike, the great thing is, I mean, he finished as wide receiver two last year. He's going at wide receiver six. So I think uh, you know, FFPC players are of the same opinion. We don't want to draft him at yeah. the pinnacle. We don't want to draft him as the second wide receiver off the board because he's probably not going to return that value. But if you can get him uh, in the mid to late second round, that's probably a solid investment, and I'm with you on that. I think his numbers take a dip, but not to the point where I think he's a bust. So I'm definitely on board with that for you uh, as well. Mike Eisenberg, the 750, number 26, FFPC Dynasty champ, joining us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. And it was the trade that sent shockwaves through the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals, and David Johnson to the Texans, with some picks involved. But for the purposes of this conversation, we're not going to talk about him. Duke Johnson is on this this team for you, uh, the team that you won uh, the title with uh, last year, Mike, is he going to be splitting time in the backfield with David Johnson at a 50-50 level? Is he going to be the guy to own? Is he the better value? Is David Johnson going to be the, the bell cow? How do you see the split in Houston going this season as far as how you would draft him and how you would treat him in Dynasty? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, uh, you know, again, who knows? I'll take it, tell you my logic and see what works. I mean, it's Bill O'Brien, it's David Johnson, and it's Duke Johnson. So anyone who says they can predict that is either a fool or a liar to me. It's just like those are three of the most unpredictable people, I think, in the game. And uh, I thought I saw Duke develop some passing chemistry at the end of the year last year when I was watching some of the games. But when I looked at the numbers, that didn't really play out when I was looking at that. So unfortunately, I think Duke is running to the end of his time as being fantasy relevant. You know, maybe if David Johnson gets hurt, he plays 50-50 or maybe 60-40, but I think they're going to get another big back. You know, the, when they brought in Carlos Hyde and gave him so many touches last year, it just kind of soured me on Duke Johnson on two different teams. Um, you know, in retrospect, I'm, I probably regret not be, uh, being greedy and not selling him when he got traded to Houston, but uh, I was a Duke Johnson believer for like the last three or four years, and I think I'm done with that now. Dave, we, I, I don't think I asked you about this last week. How do you see the backfield split between Houston, between the, the Johnsons? Do you think, Dave, it's like an 80-20, 70-30 with him and Duke Johnson? Or uh, do you think that they're going to bring in a rookie that's going to be taking a, quite a bit of a bite out of that backfield? 
I think if they've, you know, they dealt away Hopkins, so they're almost inclined to feature David Johnson because why would you otherwise give away such a strong asset? In fact, I remember I saw a tweet that someone said that if they saw this trade in their dynasty league, one of the players would get kicked out, you know, right away from the, and that would be Bill O'Brien would get. Oh, that Bill. Right yeah, an idiot. So anyway, so I, I think that they're going to have to at least feature David Johnson unless he plays really poorly. And he, you know, he did play pretty poorly in in Arizona Land last year, so he does really that badly. Then you could see someone else. I don't see them spending high draft capital on on a running back necessarily. I think they I think they think they have running back solved at this point. All right, fellas, let me let me po- I'm going to pose this to you uh, first, uh, Mike. It, it, switch back to redraft mode here for a second. Duke Johnson is going as the 55th running back off the board at the 14.03 right now in uh, fantasy drafts in the FFPC over the last seven days, whereas David Johnson since the deal is going at the 510 as running back 28. Do either of those represent a spot for those guys uh, where you would target them? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Duke Johnson is the clear pick in, the, in that ratio right there. I just think, you know, it, like I said, I thought it was going to be maybe 40, 60, but you're getting one in the 14th round. You get one in the fifth round who's injury um, injury prone. I think that's a great deal at the 14th round. Cause he was, I think he was 50, 50 last year. Duke, especially near the end. So I think that probably is pretty close to what he's going to be again this year. My, yeah, guess, my yeah. guess is that drafters are, are looking at David Johnson as more of a, a complete back because he, he has caught, I don't know how many passes he caught in his, in his best year at Arizona, but it was a ton. It was like 80 or 90 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it was 80. And so I, I think they're surmising that Duke Johnson may just not be necessarily needed other than there's more of a pure backup, and that's the huge disparity in draft position. Uh, and if that is the case, I mean, I can see the argument for David Johnson being he's a starting running back on a team with a really great quarterback. Uh, that has a lot of targets just opened up. Has tar- Yeah, a bunch of targets opened up and, you know, two receivers get hurt all the time. So, <laughs> Right. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Fuller, Cobb, and Full- – by the way, oh, yeah, three Cobb. receivers, Fuller, Cobb, and QT. Yeah, does Cobb get hurt all the time or does he just suck? Uh, both, a little yeah. bit of both. Oh, man, he's awful. <laughs> um. Let we, let's keep it on the pass-catching tip, Dave, and, and talk a little tight ends here. All right, we're going to bring up a possible bust candidate, David Njoku. You know, he's been this highly touted tight end for so long. He came to the NFL really young, and he's still super young. He's probably like 23, 24, so only. I think he was 20 when he came in. But the Browns apparently gave up on him. They signed Austin Hooper to a big deal. Uh, do you think? Are you thinking of cutting Njoku with, this, you know, the roster cuts are coming on, I think, Tuesday? Uh, he's on your team. What do you think? David Njoku, by the way, turns yeah. 24 in July. 23 right now. 24 23, July. correct. Yeah. Wow. Can we swear on this up? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Fire away. Say whatever you want. No, no, <laughs> no, I won't. But David freaking Joku, I have a history with him. Um, I was probably a very, very uh, adamant David Njoku truther back in 2017. <laughs> loved his taste and loved his athleticism in college production. I acquired him about three quarters of my leagues. And uh, it's been downhill ever since that, that year. Um, you talked about, he, I guess he got in the doghouse for dropping passes and being a bad blocker. But uh, then they signed Hooper. He's probably caught a ball. But, you know, like you said, I, Dave, I, I think there's enough potential and hope to keep him if I have the room. I don't really have anyone better. So he has a great pedigree. I'm going to keep him and see what happens. Plus, sure. the fancy, you know, he ran a bunch of two tight end sets in Minnesota. I was thinking maybe – Best case scenario, you get a poor man's Ertz Goddard situation, or maybe gets traded. But uh, I'd be cutting him. I probably would just rather see the whole thing play out. I'll cut him next year if I have to. You know, I could, I could actually, you know, you don't see a lot of, you, 
you used to never see trades at the trade deadline in the NFL, and now you're seeing them. And I actually, I could see Njoku get traded. I really could. That actually yeah. is a logical deal. You know, if he shows something, has a few decent preseason games, it makes a lot of sense to trade him to a team that needs a tight end. Yeah. He plays a position, too, where, where a lot of GMs and coaches would look at it like, oh, if only we had that seam ripper. If only yeah. we had that guy yeah. that could pre- present that mismatch over the middle. And Joku's that. Yeah. So you could see that happen. And, and certainly, you know, he's at his bottom basement value right now. Um, and, and he could – he only, only way to go is up, Dave. So from the chat room, yep. uh, speaking of tight ends, who do you like, uh, Mike, as your top rookie tight end this year? Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of, I mean, it, it's nowhere near as deep as it was last year, Mike. But, but as far as, as looking at the rookie tight ends this year, I think it's, it's a, I guess, a deep class, but not necessarily a top-heavy one. Yeah. Who do you like best? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you for this one. I have no answer because I don't draft rookie tight ends anymore. <laughs> yeah. David, and I, the David Njoku experience ended it. And, you know, I've just done a lot of research on this. And I'm not a huge tight end guy anyway. If you look at my rosters, I, I very rarely have a very good one. Um, yeah, so I haven't really started looking. Usually I'll, I'll, we'll get into this in the next probably couple of questions, but uh, I don't really start doing my rookie drafting until after the NFL draft. So my rookie uh, research, I'm sorry. So I haven't really spent a lot of time with tight ends yet. I guess Alberto hey, is hey. a big name, right? The, the David, new David Nujoku. <laughs> So, yes, and, and but I can yeah. I pr- I can pronounce Njoku. I cannot pronounce Albert Okugabanan if that's what his name is. <laughs> I I can't do it. But yeah, he's probably the top of the litter as far as tight ends go in this draft. I'm not a big guy uh, in, in on him. I would look at um, guys deeper in the draft, uh, more higher upside guys. Of course, Thaddeus Moss uh, from LSU. I know he's dealing with the injury right now, but he's got the bloodline with Randy Moss being his father. I know a lot of pundits have uh, touted Adam Troutman out of Dayton. A guy I really like late, you could probably get in the fifth or sixth round uh, for NFL teams is Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. I think there's something there. Not to be confused with Hunter Bryant, who's probably a borderline seventh-round pick, or a uh, Udfa out of Washington. I like him as well. Um, but other than that, I mean, like, there's nobody in this class that gets me excited. And I think if there is any, you know, it's, it's so funny because if you would have asked me this question, oh, who's the top tight end for 2020 last year, I would have said, oh, it's Jared Pinkney out of Vanderbilt, you know, just crushing the SEC. Well, he had probably the worst possible season he could. And now most likely he won't be drafted in the 2020 NFL draft. So I think if you're looking for somebody uh, in the FFPC rookie drafts, very, very late, I think Pinkney is worth taking a flyer on just uh, because of his body of work before his final season at Vanderbilt. But other than that, I, I am not on board with the tight ends, the rookie tight ends this year. So let's talk about people that we might be on board with rookie wide receivers. I look at a lot of the drafts, by the way, uh, we're talking with Mike Eisenberg, the 750 number 26 dynasty champion in the FFPC last year. I look at Jalen Rieger uh, and, and this is a guy that was sort of a borderline first round pick. Normally you're seeing him in the second round of, of most pundits mocks uh, over the last month. But now I've seen him go as far as um, dynasty rookie drafts are concerned. I've seen him drafted as the wide receiver three uh, after Judy and C.D. Lamb. I don't know how crazy you're getting with Jalen Rieger, but are you a believer in his skill set transferring to the NFL, Mike? You know, I don't think I see him as the number three pick uh, wide receiver-wise, but I do think that skill set does transfer. We've seen a lot of those kind of versatile, all-purpose playmakers do well. You know, I guess it's the – Percy Harvin type model. 
seems like every team is starting to pick at least one of those guys, whether you got Juju or Debo Samuel or A.J. Brown or Christian Kirk. So, yeah, I think he, his skills will transfer. Whether he's good enough, I don't know, because there's been a lot of failures of those. Like, I guess too early to call Curtis Samuel a failure, but uh, he's starting to look like he's going to be one, um, especially since they just signed uh, Anderson. So, yeah, I think he has skills to transfer. I don't know how high I'm, I am, but uh, – He's a guy, too, I think, if you look at, um, you know, where he ends up as, as far as um, an NFL team. You know, if he – I've seen him mock to Green Bay a lot, you know, and, and he could add that speed element on the outside. He can go inside as well uh, for the Packers. So I think uh, landing spot is going to be key for him. I could see him going as the wide receiver five uh, in, in rookie drafts. I could see him as going to the wide receiver nine or ten, too. It's, it's, it's so volatile right now. I think more than most, more than Judy, more than Lamb – more than rugs, uh, more than uh, more than T. Higgins to a certain extent, uh, and, and Denzel Mims, I could see uh, landing spot playing into Rieger totally. Dave, well, one thing I yep. it just seems like you're gonna you're gonna find some good young wide receivers if you have picks at the end of the first round in this year's rookie draft. That's absolutely for sure. Somebody's gonna fall to you, and um, maybe you, maybe you hit, maybe you don't, but at least. A lot of times you get to the end of the first round, you're like, oh, I guess I'll take Hawkinson, Fant. Yeah, you don't have to quarterback, do... right. or some, you know, some tight end or whatever. You really didn't want to, but that's your, that's your option. Here you actually have a, a pretty elite receiver that could have gone in the you know late first, early second round possibly, and you're getting with the nine, ten, eleven, twelve spot. That's pretty juicy. And by the way, he's not the only one. Yeah, there's you know, plenty. There's, there's plenty of them that yeah. are going to go there too. So I think you're right. I think you're definitely on point there. Let's not forget about the running backs. I want to ask um, uh, Mikey uh, about a couple of running backs here. There are a consensus, let's say, top five in this draft. You have the big three in Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, and then out of LSU, you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. After that, I I don't know uh, who the best guy to go with after that. I don't think you'd go with either of these guys in the first round, but if I told you uh, running back six and running back seven are between Kishon Vaughn uh, out of Vanderbilt and then Zach Moss uh, playing for the Utes, uh, out of Utah, if if those were your choices and you're going with running back, which one do you think is going to be the better NFL player between those two? Yeah, um, I think Moss. I, I was watching his tape. I was because I, I listen to a uh, player uh, Podfather quite a bit, so he's really down on Zach Moss. And I, that was before I'd even seen him. And I watched his tape, and I I have to tell you, I think he looks really good. He he ran a four six five at the combine and. And so I know a lot of the analysts, especially the metrics-based ones, are going to go down on him. But I, I saw a really explosive player. He looked like he could catch a little bit to me. I don't, I don't know. I, I know that's another knock on him. He got, it kind of reminds me what happened to me. He's by no means Dalvin Cook, but I remember this with Dalvin Cook, too. He, he didn't do as well at the combine, and then all of a sudden everyone's kind of dropped on him, but he looked so awesome on tape. And uh, so I, I like Moss. I mean, on the counter, I watch Vaughn, and uh, he looks like, he just looks average across the board to me. I don't know. He doesn't explode. doesn't do anything particularly well. He kind of reminds me of a Paul Perkins or a Bishop Sankey type. So more of a jack of all trades, master of none. I think he's going to be a backup. So, you know, based on all that, at this point, I think Moss is going to be the better NFL player. Yeah, no, no, I thought you described yourself as that, as a fantasy player. <laughs> so are you saying you're like the Paul Perkins of fantasy players? I am saying, yeah, I am saying that. That's right. That's a good touche, Dave. You got me on that one. Yeah, I'm like I'm like Barbara That's Walters a, no, in the interviews. I, I get you at the very end. Yeah. What kind of crayon would you yeah, be? You what got, color? You got crayon? me. 
<laughs> you, you know what's funny, and, and we I think I brought this up last week with uh, with uh, with Scott uh, Pollock uh, on the show, but Dave, you and I have talked about accumulator backs and how we don't really like them, right. uh, especially in Dynasty because their shelf life is is so thin. I always viewed in always is, is a terrible term because I really didn't know who Kashawn Vaughn was until the start of last season. I realized who he was. You know, he's he's sort of like an undersized Michael Turner. Like he doesn't excite you at all. And in order to gain fantasy value, he's got to touch the ball a lot. There's not a lot to like there. I, and, and, and with a receiver draft as deep as it is, I think that the decision comes down to, well, Zach Moss is off the board and, and you know, there, there's no good tight ends and, and I don't want to take a quarterback. I'm probably taking a chance on a receiver after those big five are gone or maybe, yeah. and, and maybe six after Zach Moss, because I just, I am not down with Keshawn Vaughn all. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. I, I don't have I don't have enough of an opinion, so I'll just uh, believe both of you. Well, I just I I feel like as as we look at you know and and Mike, let's get into the philosophy of dynasty rookie drafts because I always believe you're looking for special yep. players, and I look at yep. at the the rookie the rookie class for running backs here. I think the top five could be special players. I'm not sure about Zach Moss. I think I'm sure about Keshawn Vaughn that he won't be. But at that point, I'm not sure yeah. about the receivers being special players, but I know what I'm getting at running back. Yeah, all right, so you're right. asking, are you asking a question? <laughs> yes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. That's a terrible way to phrase it. My question question is, uh, after those five running backs are gone, you kind of know who you're getting in bed with at running back after that. You don't know at right. wide receiver. At that point, you're taking the mystery box at receiver over the running backs after the top five are off the board, correct? Yeah. The, I'm trade the pick. <laughs> I was going to, I went through the, uh, the rookie draft, but I, you know, if you look through my teams, I trade a lot of my rookie picks. I'd rather go after undervalued pro players. So a lot of times when it starts to become ambiguous, except where it's Jonathan Taylor, like you said, a special player that I feel like I could differentiate and take a chance on especially with wide receiver things to sit on your roster and depreciate most of the time. You know, it's a little bit of a Turkey shoot. I'd rather, you know, I, I've been able to pick up Tyreek Hill and Melvin Gordon and Kenny Galladay for cheap by using this approach. So that's probably what I would do. I like it. Mike Eisenberg joining the show tonight here on the high stakes fantasy footballer. He won the 750 number 26 dynasty league in the FFPC. Dave, he's been very gracious with his time. Do you have one more question before we like Mike, like, let Mike go and enjoy his weekend. Yeah, Mike, I'll make this an option. So you just said you didn't do a lot of rookie uh, studying yet. You can either give us a rookie or just a redraft player that you think is going to be a bust this year in the NFL. And then a sleeper, either a sleeper rookie or a sleeper, you know, 2020 redraft uh, player of any type to target in, uh, right. in, you know, in redraft leagues. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm not ready to call a bust or a sleeper quite yet, but I, I will make a bold proclamation of who I think is, over and undervalued by quite a bit. Um, from a overvalued standpoint, I just I think DeAndre Swift is. I'm just not seeing it. Uh, I don't see a first round talent. I, I know he's probably going to go there. I felt very similar when I watched Sony Michelle play. I kept hearing all the hype on him, and I kept watching him behind this great offensive line, and he just was pretty average and pretty blah. Um, I'm sure he's still going to provide value. I just don't think he he doesn't look like a second pick to me, especially in this draft. But I'm going on the the clock right now and saying it <laughs> so that's from a, a negative um you don't think that's kind of a hot take or is it uh, pretty common well, hold on mike let me ask you this let me ask you this because jk dobbins has been falling in a lot of drafts as far as rookies go 
do you believe that yeah. Dobbins will be the better pro over DeAndre Swift just from a pure skill set standpoint? I I do. I mean, it's going to be landing dependent, uh, landing spot dependent to some degree that will impact it with a running back. But I, I, I think J.K. Dobbins is significantly better. Yeah, I would actually kind then, of go uh, with that. All right, well, so it's not so much of a hot take. I thought that was kind of hot. But, you know, compared to what I've seen, oh, he cool. goes number one or two on everything. So, um, on, this, on the upside, and again, I don't know if this I call this a sleeper, but I, I will say, basically, we talked about Jalen Rager. I actually feel like Brandon Ayuk is a better version of Jalen Rager, who you can get around later. I just I keep watching them both. I, you know, I know he had a weird path to, 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 uh, to the pros, and he went to junior college, I think, and then he was behind uh, Nikhil Harry. So he doesn't have the early breakout age. But I just I love the tape on him. I think he looks as good, if not better, than Rager. And he goes around later, so that's where I'm let, planting my flag. Let on me that ask you right now. Let, okay, this is good that you're planting your flag on this because I think you're going to agree with me on this. I have a local uh, sports talk show here in Northeast Wisconsin where we talk. Uh, we've been talking a lot of NFL draft for the Packers lately, and I always said that I, you know, looking back at the Packers drafts over the last decade or so, Green Bay has never put a high premium on drafting the fastest guy, drafting the biggest guy drafting the strongest guy, drafting the guy with the biggest numbers. They just seem to take a, guys who do everything pretty good, but not elite. And I yep. think Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, uh, Sterling Sharp, Perry Camp. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. They, they've never – Javon Walker was the one guy they drafted in the first round. He sort of flamed out after that knee injury. But I look at Brandon Ayuk, and a lot of people say, well, he wouldn't play well – uh, opposite Devontae Adams because they're they're similar players. Would that be the worst landing spot for him? I think catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, and by the way, Ayuk is being mocked to the Packers a lot uh, in, um, in, in uh, the first round. I look at him catching on. It doesn't necessarily have to be Green Bay, but I look at him not being elite at anything but really, really good at everything. I look yep. at him, and I think he could yep. be a dynasty sleeper regardless of landing spot at this point. I agree. He's kind of like the, I guess he's kind of like the me of the wide receivers then. Is that right there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> great. Uh, that's a good point. See how we bring it back from Paul Perkins yeah, we to bring, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, we bring it all back together at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Mike should be on every week. He could be the third guy. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I think we're on to something here, especially uh, with Dynasty coming I'm up sure here. sure his family doesn't want him on you know, any Friday yeah, night. No, probably not. No. Uh, Mike doesn't want me. Yeah, I play, I play, I play, wait, wait, hold on. I, hold on, though. I wasn't like I was waffling on doing this because I was a little nervous. It was because of my family that I did do it actually. Because they're like, "Oh, Dad, you have to do that." So that's, that, that's yeah, great. So they actually like, they, yeah. So they know how much I love fantasy football. So there's, you know, as long as I don't take time away from them too much, they support it. So. Well, listen, Mike, you crushed it tonight. Great stuff. We, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I certainly will be adjusting my rookie approach for dynasty drafts. At least, you know, for now, we'll see how all these guys uh, end up in the NFL draft, which, again, is coming up less than a month from now. Uh, congratulations on the 750 number 26 title. Good luck repeating. Good luck in all your leagues this year, uh, FFPC and, and what have you. Thanks so much for hopping aboard. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, dude, and, and we'll talk to, to you again real, real soon. All right. Thanks, all. Stay safe as well. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much, Mike Eisenberg, the FFPC 2019 uh, 750 number 26 champ, joining us on the program tonight. Good stuff from Mike. Learned a lot great. there. 
Um, um, good stuff on, uh, you know, here's the thing. We talk about how dynasty picks grow in value, Dave, as we approach the NFL draft. And obviously after the NFL draft, they increase as well in value. Mike is not ashamed and not afraid to deal picks. And I think that's something we can learn from here. Yeah. Because I think, well, I don't know how you are. I am really hesitant to trade dynasty picks after leading up to and after the NFL draft. Yeah, that's no, it's a really good point. To, it's like we always talk about waiting right until the draft's either starting or you know maximizing the value, and it it really does make a lot of sense. But um, it's very tough to do because you're on the clock. You see, you know, a great superstar like Andy Isabella, and uh, <laughs> and, and and you have to draft him and uh, and look at how that's turning out. So anyway, though, you can make, I mean you can make the good picks, you make bad picks, you can trade the picks. Um, you just have to either pick the right guys or pick, you know, trade for the right players. Serious question about Andy, Andy Isabella. I know you own him in a, in more than one dynasty league right now. What yep. are you doing with him? Just hanging on, seeing what happens in year two. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think there's any leagues in which I would need to cut him in advance of the draft. There's one or two where he might be close to getting cut depending upon how it looks and how it looks in preseason, but I'll have that. If there's a full preseason, I'll have that to, you know, to evaluate him a little bit. I just look at it from the standpoint of, um, let's throw Hakeem Butler and Keyshawn Johnson out of the picture. DeAndre Hopkins is under contract for the next three years. Christian Kirk is under contract for the next two, two years or three years. And, yeah. and, and Fitz is probably done after this year, let's face it. Mm-hmm. But I, I just look at the long game for Isabella, and I'm just wondering how he pokes through there with, with fantasy value. Well, if you're, I mean, if you're looking at the long game, then you're considering that he was a talented player who was drafted in the late second round. And the fact is he may not break out may not break out this year, may not break out next year. But if he's, a, if he's really going to be a, a good player at some point, and again, at this point, it doesn't look like it, but if he is, he'll show some signs. I mean, he had a few good plays last year. Again, yep. not great. Yep. Um, and he can emerge and be that number three or number four receiver this year. And eventually, some other team will grab him, or he'll sign a contract somewhere else, or he'll emerge. You know, it's, you know, it's not impossible that he beats out Christian Kirk, maybe not this year, but it's possible next year. It's possible. Yeah, it is possible. And yep. Fitz will be gone. I mean, or he could emerge as a, as a playmaker. I'm, again, these are like six to 10 to one type With scenarios. Kirk- I mean, the odds aren't great, but I'm just, he still does run a four two something 40 and he's still, you know, he, I, I think he got in the doghouse, had bad hands, but I'm not making excuses so far. It looks like a terrible, terrible pick. I'm just looking at, at, uh, Christian Kirk right now. He wasn't a first round pick, was he? He was a second I rounder. He was a second rounder. I'm looking it up right now. He was drafted. Um, of course, this doesn't have it. What a joke! I, I am so well prepared for this. This is so ridiculous. All right, 47th overall in the 2018 draft. So he was smack dab in the middle of the second round. Not that that makes him that much more eligible to receive passes because he's a second round pick. But I think you're right with Isabella. Um, I am probably a little bit less. Uh, bullish on him than you, but not much. Um, I don't own him anywhere. I'm not necessarily even that bullish. I'm just saying, you know, he's you don't talented. have to cut him anywhere. So why would you? Yeah. I mean, he's a talented guy that was drafted in late second round. So let's just see what happens. All right. Let's get to a couple emails here tonight before we wrap things up. First one is from Don in Saginaw, Michigan. You ever been to Saginaw, Dave? I got a lot of friends in Saginaw. Nope. Okay. Well, that's a good town. Is Brashad Perriman a sleeper in New York this season? Brashad Perriman signing the deal with the Jets after they lose Robbie Anderson to the Carolina Panthers. Dave, the receiving options are few and far between uh, for Sam Darnold this year for the Jets. Obviously, New York will be looking to the draft to 
supplement Darnold with some wideout weapons, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be good year one. Brashad Perriman really came on at the end of last year with Tampa Bay, made himself some money for the Jets. Are you looking at him as a sleeper? And before you answer that, I'll tell you, over the last seven days, this is basically after he signed his free agent deal, 16.04 in FFPC best balls as wide receiver 55. And not really interested in Brashad Perry. Now, why is that? Because he came on last year. He looked great. And, and there's not a lot of competition for the Jets. I don't know. I'm just, just not a big just, fan you, of You don't like Perriman. his talent. I don't think he's all that great, no. Okay. All right. You so, can like him. Go ahead. Talk him up. You talked him up the whole no, time. Well, I, I, think, I, I think that's why. Why I'm do talk- you like him? Tell me all well, about Well, okay, listen. I have never – I was never big on him when he got drafted. However, what he showed last year uh, certainly opened my eyes. Uh, he's a little bit older of a prospect. I get it. But the fact that he goes to New York as one of the veteran uh, options there, he is the only field stretcher they have on that roster – Uh, And he's done this in the NFL the last few years. Any rookie they bring in, there's going to be an adjustment period. There technically should not be an adjustment period for Brashad Perriman. So if you look at drafting him in an FFPC best ball right now in the 16th round, he is, you know, he's going behind guys like Anthony Miller, uh, Sterling Shepard, Jamison Crowder, his teammate, Henry Ruggs, who I'm not all that high on. I think there's a case to be made. Uh, for Brashad Perriman making some waves here in year one. Uh, I don't think he's a league winner, but I do think if you're drafting a best ball team right now, drafting what could be the number one receiver on that team is going to be a draft pick well spent. One more email here tonight before we bid you adieu. Um, Oh, this is perfect. It leads into that. Uh, Terry and Charlotte, dear icons, how do you assess the Carolina passing attack now that Robbie Anderson has entered the fray for the Panthers. Roar, that is Terry and Charlotte. I'm assuming a Panthers fan there, uh, Dave. So let's, let's look at this. The Panthers cut Cam Newton this week. They signed Teddy Bridgewater, three years, $60 million. They still have DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Greg Olson left for the Seahawks, but they still have Ian Thomas. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey's still there. And now Robbie Anderson enters the fray. How do you handicap the Panthers' passing attack this year as far as who you want to own and who you don't, don't want to own? A Panthers' passing attack, uh, McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Next question. That's it. Nobody else. Uh, not really. You're not feeling Robbie Anderson there? No, he, I still think he's going to be a kind of a long ball specialist. If I could trade him, I would actually. I haven't won Dynasty. Okay. Yeah, he's going at the 1202 in FFPC best ball. As far as FFPC Dynasty startups, he's going at the 1106. So, Dave – you might be able to get some value for him there. More importantly, what about Curtis Samuel in, uh, in FFPC uh, Dynasty Leagues right now? He's going at the 11.02 in startups as wide receiver 49. Is it time to kind of punt on him at this point? Uh, yeah, I, I mean. It's... With the addition of Anderson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he had his opportunity last year and he didn't really do much. Uh, I, I think I traded with Ron Meyer, a two-packer. I traded him a 2022. Justin Carrington? Yeah, a 2022 for Samuel last year. And that is not a pick I'm ha- I would love to have the pick back. You know, that's yeah, I would too. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, whatever. It just didn't work out. And uh, But, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not totally cutting bait on Samuel, but if someone offered me a late second or early third right now, I would probably take it. Does the signing of Robbie Anderson affect anything you believed about DJ Moore this season only? This does it season? affect? Does anything? it affect, does it change the way you think about DJ Moore or draft him? 
I mean, the only thing, I mean, it could open it up a little bit for him because safeties are going to have to pay attention to Robbie Anderson, and, and they might leave the uh, – and D.J. Morlock's working over the middle because he's not afraid to catch those passes. So right. it could open it up for him a little bit. So you actually like D- – if anything, you like D.J. Moore better since this Robbie Anderson. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, like, you know, a pretty big cheerleader. You know, there's not – I've always been a big D.J. Moore fan, so That's I, true. I still like him. I, I'm just curious. Uh, this is putting you in an unfair spot. Is D.J. Moore a top five dynasty wide receiver for you right now? Sure, yeah. Really? Top five? Uh, yeah, without thinking of who the other receivers are, but sure. Can I throw some names at you? Oh, let's see. Godwin, Galladay. Um, well, hold on. Juju, let's let's, another one let's start from the top. Would you, would you rather have DJ Moore or Michael Thomas? Uh, Thomas. I agree. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins or DJ Moore? Hopkins. Really? I think it's close. I'm going to go with Hopkins, but you, you, you're so quick on that. Well, I mean, you have Kyler Murray throwing to Hopkins, and you have Teddy Bridgewater, who doesn't suck, but he's not, you know, Kyler Murray yeah. is more, more pedigree for sure. Um, okay, you mentioned him. Chris Godwin or DJ Moore? Um, I think I'll take Moore. I would too. Devontae Adams or DJ Moore? But you know, that's it's pretty close. Um, I'll take Moore because he's quite a bit younger. I'm, because of that, and Devontae Adams, we, didn't, we don't talk about this because he was healthy last season for the head. He had all those bad concussions prior to 2019, so I, I would rather have DJ I, I Moore I feel like there. Rodgers is actually is getting worse, and I don't think Rodgers is going to age as well as like Brady or Breeze. Yeah, see, I don't know about that. I think he still might. Well, you're a hometown DJ, so I, I don't know. I feel I don't know jack shit about listen, Rodgers. I, you're biased. Hold on. When did I ever say one positive thing about Jimmy Graham since the Packers signed him? I never said one thing. One thing. What one did Jimmy Graham, Graham have to do with it? Well, I'm just saying I'm not a homer. Oh. And I said Aaron Jones probably going to be a bust this year, too. Those are different players. I'm talking about Rodgers. <laughs> I'm talking about Packers. <laughs> All right. Um, That's here, actually, your, your response is actually pretty good. Here's a good one. DJ Moore or your former slash current slash future slash I don't know boy, Tyreek Hill. Oh, I like Tyreek Hill. So you'd take Tyreek If somebody offered you DJ Moore for Tyreek Hill straight up, you would turn it down. You would ra- or you'd rather have Moore than Hill. Oh, you know what? It's, that's actually kind of tough because you still have the kind of the knucklehead factor with Hill, even though he's right. been proven to be, you know, supposedly innocent. Um, supposedly innocent. I mean, who knows? You know what I mean? I know. I get it. I get uh, it. Yeah. I, you know, I think I would take DJ Moore just because he's clean on and, on and off the field. But, man, Tyreek Hill – do you see that Tyree Kill thing when he was... Uh, well, the fast feet. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable how fast he is. He is the cheetah, my friend. Man. All right. Um, I'm going to do three more, and I think I know where you're going to side on all these. I wish I could make a side bet with somebody because these are the three guys going right after DJ Moore and FFPC Dynasty Startup. DJ Moore or Mike Evans? Uh, Moore. I agree. DJ Moore or Juju Smith-Schuster? Moore. I agree. DJ Moore or A.J. Brown? Uh, more. I agree. So I was right on all of them. That's where I thought you'd land in on that. Yeah, I guess DJ Moore is a top five receiver for you, my friend. For I, me, I guess. Yeah. I, I was wrong. Uh, you were right. Uh, <laughs> I, yes, I was right that I know where I like the guy. Well, no, because I because but you said like, well, I don't really. Let's go through it, you know. And then I had to bring in the top yeah, yeah. five receivers on that. So Tyreek's an interesting. Tyreek's interesting man. He is so Patrick Mahomes versus Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean. You know, ask me in 10 minutes, I might say Tyreek. It's really... Well, I wonder what the age difference is between those two guys. Between uh, Hill and... Um, I guess like two two years. Two, like 23 versus 25. Wasn't DJ Moore super young coming yeah, he in? he was 20 coming out. All he right. was as young as in Joker. All right. I'll tell you this. Tyreek Hill was born... Oh, he just celebrated a birthday. He just turned uh, 26, Dave. Okay, so now 26. So he'll be 26 going into this season. Moore's 23 or turning 23. Um... 
All right. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is great. He was born. Oh, he's got a birthday coming up too in the next two and a half weeks. He will turn 23 in so April. Only, this, it's amazing. He's only 22. And, you know, I think, and I, and, you know, who is the guy that came out of Florida State? Benjamin? Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, he's super he's, old guy. He's now 47. That's, I'm using one of your jokes, Paul. Do you like that? Where I, where you I, know, it's so where funny. I overstated. I, I brought up my afternoon show, but but the guy I do the show with is quite a bit older than me, and I always do the age jokes with him. And and uh, I I stopped doing them once Kelvin Benjamin got drafted because I love Kelvin Benjamin caught the winning uh, touchdown pass in the title game right. when Florida State beat Auburn. So I can't rip on him. In fact, I think I picked him up in a dynasty league when somebody cut him out of principle. I was just like, I gotta grab this guy. Yeah. Um, he's not gonna do anything in the pros. But, yeah, DJ Moore, uh, 25 years older than Kelvin Benjamin. I'm willing to admit it right now, and that's how we're going to cap the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Mike Eisenberg for popping on tonight, the 750-26 Dynasty champ. We are going to be live next Friday, 10-9 Central. No quit for us. Uh, we will be bringing you uh, the, the latest in, in FFPC fantasy football right here on these airwaves. Check out the best ball swim leagues. Check out all the regular best ball leagues, Superflex, uh, all that good stuff, and myffpc.com. Don't forget that we have Dynasty Startups uh, drafting on Tuesday this coming week. So make sure if you're looking to get in on one of those uh, that you are jumping in now at myffpc.com. Stay at home. Stay safe. We're doing a good job, people. We just got to keep this up. Uh, for a little while longer, and our lives will get back to normal. Your weekend starts now. This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team floor, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went Well other rappers find a studio to grind in Kinda like Hey um The new music's coming? No 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 Well yeah it should be Um You had <laughs> sent me a dynasty trade offer this week Involving Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes And I went to take a closer look at it And it was gone Did you withdraw that trade? I don't think so because I, I, it was um, maybe I, I thought maybe you it was the the proponents were Jackson and Mahomes, and then there were some other assets or an asset. It was like a three eleven pick or something like that. Okay, it was something crappy, but the, the just because the Twitter poll was, people said they like Patrick Mahomes over Lamar Jackson. Straight up, be in Dynasty, right? From a overall perspective, right? And I, I was, I'm like, all right, well, and you didn't say this, but the Twitter poll said it, right. so I offered you. My Mahomes for your Lamar Jackson. I even threw in a 311 for a good, you know. For yeah, fun. third round picks don't move the needle for me. I know, but I, you know, I just it it's was probably a, a fair trade. It was a, yeah, it was a being and, polite. And, and when Lamar Jackson is nursing a hamstring injury after week two, I will be regretting not probably not, so. not yeah. doing that. Yeah. All right, okay. I just want to make sure. For 149 and three picks. And rushes for 250 yards and three touchdowns. With a bad hamstring. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay home. We'll talk to you again next week.